Hello and welcome to the first ever Fantasy in the UK podcast as part of the Fake Pigskin podcast series. You can find everything Fake Pigskin related at Fake Pigskin on Twitter and at www.fakepigskin.com. The aim of these podcasts is going to be to bring you our views from the UK on how we see the fantasy landscape going. And that may not just be in fantasy football, which is what this podcast will focus on, but over time we will also do baseball, um, we'll do a little bit of Premier League and possibly even a little bit of NBA and NHL as and when we have the people ready to talk about it. So, but for today, I will be your host and I am Ben Rolf and you can find me on Twitter at brolf1507. I'm a massive Patriots fan, but I'm really just a big fan of the league and absolutely love fantasy sports. Today I'm joined by two fantastic writers and the first of these is our IDP editor and frankly, our IDP guru in Matt. Too kind there, Ben. Uh, yeah, I'm Matt Lane. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FF Matt Lane. That's L A N E. Um, as I said, I'm the IDP editor and I'm also a 49ers fan, which over the past four or five years I've been watching the sport has been pretty down and up, but at least we're on the uptrend now. Yeah, you've definitely had a, a couple of good years. Uh, yeah, picked them at the right time. <laughs> definitely. We have also been joined by another absolutely fantastic fantasy writer in the of Neil Donoghue. Hi guys, I'm uh, Neil Donoghue, you can find me on Twitter at Neil Donoghue. I'm a long-suffering Tennessee Titans fan, not an Oilers fan, Tennessee, 1998, still going strong, <laughs> and I write for uh, Fake Pigskin, I draft stuff for Fantasy Football Counselor. So it's fairly safe to say, Neil, you are the suffering fan out of the three of us, although... Yeah, unfortunately so. <laughs> although I may be joining you that way soon with uh, Brady's imminent retiring the next how that's going to go but there's a around the corner but we'll <laughs> approach that when we get there as I said this podcast is going to mainly focus on fantasy football but as I, like I say at times I cover baseball I also cover fantasy EPL same as Neil does so we may touch on those over future podcasts but the big news in around the moment is NFL free agency and the lead up to the draft so today what we're going to do is look back at some of the things that have happened in the past few weeks involving free agency and in some cases trades and re-signings of players uh, and might even touch on the odd franchise tag uh, if we get the chance. Um, and we'll do that by going through position by position. For the first half of the podcast we'll mainly cover the offensive players so we'll start with the quarterbacks and move on to the running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. And then the second half of the podcast will very much be in, a, in the ball in Matt's court as we uh, discuss the defensive players and how their signings may affect uh, your IDP leagues. Before we get started, I will just say, if you don't play IDP leagues, you really should. I started playing them two years ago, and it's so much more enjoyable than just picking one defence and just changing your defence. You get to actually look yes. at defensive stats. Matt will tell us when we get there about how enjoyable it is. But as a somebody who has only started playing it recently and he's not a writer about it I just wanted to tell you my experience of it it is fantastic but for now we'll stick with the offensive players which I'm sure uh, is is where most of you are interested because if you don't play in IDP leagues you obviously don't you obviously play in full offensive leagues Um, we're going to start with the quarterbacks but this is a bit of a shaky group so we probably won't spend much time on them here what you'll probably find is we'll touch on quarterbacks more after the draft and then more in the pre-season giving you our rankings and stuff like that. But for now, we're going to start with uh, Matt Sharp, who has recently been traded to the Raiders for, a, I think, a sixth-round pick. Yeah. So they've not really given up a great deal for him. So what do you think of Matt Sharp this year? Um, well, it's hard to say, really. I think it's really good for the Raiders. Um, 
Although my Niners fan, I've got a lot of love for the Raiders, you wouldn't believe, because uh, my cousin's a Raiders fan. Um, I th- yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense when it's fantasy-wise. I don't really know. It's a bit like Palmer signed a few years ago where he came in with some sort of reputation and it was a bit of an underrated player in fantasy. Um, looking back at his stats, though, three last five years, over 4,000 yards thrown, 20 touchdowns. So he's, he's got that in his locker, and I think... With James Johnson as well, I guess we'll touch on that later. Daenerys Moore, Rod Streeter. He's got, you know, he's got some pretty good receivers in that group. So he does. To me, he could be a top 15, top 20, maybe if you're being a bit less than generous. But Shob's not a sexy name at all in fantasy. He's Matt Shob, so he's definitely going to go under the radar. I think he'd be good backup in the league. Yeah, I've got a, a sort of a theory about Shob. I think as much as it's a solid move for the Raiders. Uh, six round picks not it's it's a flyer at best really I think the the weapons that they've got I don't think I don't think the fit is declining skill set degenerated over the past few years and if you look at the, the receiving core they've got Denarius Moore and James Jones they're both big play deep threat guys and I think overall my, my overriding feeling is that somebody's got to catch them 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 short balls um, somebody's got to come out at the and I think the Titans could have some sneaky value with Shaw on the centre yeah they certainly could if you watched Houston over the past couple of years they've definitely had some tight ends appear out of nowhere uh, Garrett Graham being a great example when he was healthy this year early on in the season he caught a decent number of balls I wonder with Sharp whether or not it will bring in the um, bring in the running backs more sort of with dump passes and stuff like that yeah, because I've, I've got uh, the backs that could do that as well with uh, McFadden and Latavius Murray. Yeah, McFadden signing. We aren't going to touch on that here, but if he stays healthy, we said everyone. I know every fantasy owner says this every year, but if he manages to stay healthy, then he will be a monster, and he could be great for Sharp because Sharp can just dump the ball off to him and watch him go. Yeah, and they all count as passing yards. Of course, yeah, and you <laughs> you mentioned those deep threats, Neil, but. With a bit of work from a passer like Shaw, is there a possibility that they could turn a Daenerys more into a catch the ball after five yards, beat a couple of defenders and off he goes kind of catcher? Yeah, yeah um, they certainly could. I mean, I actually think I, think, I actually think Dennis Allen gets a lot of uh, undue criticism. I think he's a, he's a progressive coach um, and he tries things that sometimes outside at box and he sort of lives by the sword, dies by the sword really, but... I think I think Daenerys Moore's got that sort of Randall Cobb I mean, not potential, but they could use him in that way. I'm a big fan of Daenerys Moore. I remember it might have been about around a year ago. I saw this uh, article, and um, it was basically on about the 2016 uh, draft. And he was in this guy had said, "Oh, he's so good. He's going to be a top ten receiver in that amount of time." And I just think he's got that. I don't know raw athleticism, whatever you want to call it that can make him a, a proper... He's just not had consistent person to throw to. I mean, look at him last season, Matt McGloin and Terrell Pryor. I mean, who is going to catch those balls um, from those guys? So with Shaw, he's, like I say, he's not sexy, but he's safe. I, I, I think Daenerys Moore, he's going to do it soon, but when he does, he, he could go off like a volcano. And that's why I thought um, they've had a bit of criticism for giving up any kind of compensation for Shaw, but a six-round pick for a a middling NFL starter it's not a great deal these days in my opinion absolutely no the best you're going to get with a sixth round is a, in terms of QB if somebody like 
chucking out there a Zach Mettenberger or an AJ McCarron does something that really hurts his draft stock in the build-up to the draft, they could yeah. fall to the sixth round. But wouldn't you rather have someone who's tried and tested and you know can do a little bit in Sharp? He's, he's taken the Texans to a couple of playoffs. So it's not like he's completely useless. No. And he's got, I would say, maybe four years left at, at yeah. a reasonable price, I would say. I don't think he'll be banging the door down for Cutler money. Or do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it's a bad move for the Raiders, but I also think we spent far too much time talking about Matt Sharp, and I think <laughs> most people listening will agree with us there. The other two quarterbacks I've got here could end up being completely worthless to you in fantasy. The first of those is Josh McCown, who was signed by the Buccaneers. He showed flashes of absolute excellence last year playing for the Bears, but with Kirk, with Cutler getting the big money, he was never going to come back. What do you guys make of McCown? Yeah, I, got, I, I don't really like Move, if I'm honest. I know Mike Glennon's not, not really um, the new regime's guy, but I think he showed a lot here. I, I think he at least, at least deserves a chance to start day one and lose the job to McCown. I think they've anointed McCown as a starter, really, or, or the press out. And to be honest, he's, he's been a journeyman for a reason for all it's these just, years. It's a crazy move to me because, um, I mean, he's 34 years old, Josh McCown. If he's ever going to pick a time in his career to have an awesome bunch of games, why do it now? You know, um, and it's not like the books are, you know, in win now mode. They think, oh, all we need a quarterback, we'll bring him in, and we've got, you know, we're playoff bound. They're t- they're pretty terrible to be honest. So why would you bring in this veteran guy who, yeah, it might be serviceable for a few years, but you might as well give the kid a chance. And if it turns out to be terrible, at least you know you've got a decent backup. It just it makes so little sense. And fantasy wise, I mean, it's yeah. Uh, no, it just, just don't take him in any league. And for Glennon as well, I mean, uh, it, it, there can't be much worse circumstances than last season when they were absolutely terrible and Shiano alienated locker room and they still played well. So why wouldn't they flourish yeah. in a more stable setup with a new outlook? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And it's not as if they've got a bad bunch of um, bunch of guys around him. Doug Martin's going to come back this year and he was a monster two years ago I know it was a rookie season burst on the scene he might never repeat that but they've also got Vincent Jackson I think Mike Williams is still there and they've just signed another tight end to go alongside Tim Wright so there is weapons there for whoever starts I actually think um, the the running back situation I think is actually a two-headed monster now we're really really impressed with Mike James last year I didn't expect to be I thought he were a, a bit of a plodder, to be honest, but I think he showed that he could carry a team, and I think um, it's, it's good for a young quarterback to have two running backs of that quality, but obviously um, McCown's going to benefit from that now. Yeah, a huge benefit there is they can line up one either side and completely confuse defences which was actually going to get the ball, be it on a pass or a, or a run. So the Bucks, Bucks could have some sneaky potential there, but it's going to be who wins that job for sure come the season, and you're not going to know that probably until the final week of pre-season. It could be an open competition until then. So it's going to be hard to draft either of them, but the Bucks are definitely people to keep on your radar, I would have said, for the odd plug-and-play matchup. Yeah. Right, we will we'll leave it there with Josh McCown because he's. I don't think he's going to be overly fantasy relevant this year. And I say that, and the person we're moving on to is probably he's probably going to get injured in preseason. We're not going to see him all year. But Michael Vick has signed with the Jets this week, and a few years ago with Atlanta, well, quite a while back with Atlanta, he was fantastic. And then he burst on the scene with Philly and was the best quarterback in the in the league again. 
don't know if I see that one happening here do you no again he's uh, he's done his thing to me I think it's a smart signing by the Jets I'm not exactly sure on what the terms are but um, it, it makes sense to back up to Gino because they're uh, similar sort of skill set I suppose but he was always quite good with his arm but his, his value in fantasy and real life was with his legs and you know, he's, he's just not got those legs anymore. I, th- I don't think, unless you've got Geno Smith in fantasy uh, and you want to hank of him, then I don't think he's really relevant. And if you've got Geno Smith in fantasy, you've got much bigger problems than worrying about who you, um, who, when you're going to take pick in the draft. Yeah, I think there's an absolutely ridiculous stat out there somewhere about Geno Smith where he was the, the quarterback with the third or fourth most 20-point-plus fantasy games last year. And I think, what? you know... Fantasy is not always a, a brilliant indicator of how a quarterback's doing, but I think despite his, his poor decision making, I, I thought last year that he showed at times that it can be a, a pass up NFL starter with upside. Whereas I think Vic it is no upside whatsoever um, because he's injury prone, because he's a weapon with his ability to get outside of the pocket, uh, and I think his 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 body uh, and his skill sets declining. And I don't think his arms were it were either, if I'm honest. Where Vic may be used, I suppose, is he might be used in the odd package where they want to um, go for a, a running quarterback, but it, it's a risky tactic. But he, what he will provide is he will provide a good backup to Geno Smith, who plays with a similar sort of skill set, and it allows the Jets to only have one game plan. Because I felt very much this year at times, almost like the Jets had planned for two game plans where what would happen if Gino was in and what would happen if a different quarterback was in and I think at times that got a bit muddled when Gino was in some of the receivers were playing a little bit as though it wasn't Gino yeah the only thing you can say about Gino Smith is his legs are very effective as well that's where a lot of his fantasy points came from those big weeks you mentioned Neil I did a, a rookie report on the quarterbacks from this year and he did have good weeks but they were where his legs carried him over like against the Patriots where he ran in a touchdown he had a good week then so I think that's I think it, sorry sorry man. so I think that's where his, uh, where, his where, he, where his fantasy production lies is very much his arm backed up by his legs yeah and I think uh, yeah. in, in off season I think if he recognises that I think he needs to bulk up and, and make his like uh, sort of a Cam Newton body type so he can take that kind of punishment if that's where he's going to excel that really needs to be directing his off-season, his off-season programme. Yeah, very much so. Well, on the subject of Cam Newton, what about this operation that he's supposed to be having? Yeah, it's not great. It's not a good situation there at all, is it? They've gone division champions to, to one-and-done in playoffs, to no receivers, to, to Cam having op- an operation. I really wonder with Cam, I wonder if he will test market after this coming season. That would be a big story. I can imagine uh, the news websites had absolutely wet themselves if that happened. But, yeah. um, like you say, I mean, oh, who was it that they played in the playoffs? Oh, yeah, the 49ers. Um, so, yeah, we kind of dumped them on the backside. And then it's, it's just capitulating. I mean, the free agency has been quite a disaster, I think. Um, we'll get to the players that they've lost and we won't get to the players that they signed because they haven't really signed anybody. Jericho. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Did they sign Taekwon um, Underwood as well? Um, yeah. 
But this this sort of reeks a little bit to me what with Cam Newton surgery of almost like the Panthers have gone well we've lost Cam Newton we're gonna we're gonna give up on this year get a high draft pick I know it's early to be saying that but that's what it feels like already and almost yeah. a bit like if we have a bad season and Cam Newton doesn't really play well his value is not going to be that high next off season so it might be that for the Panthers this is good for them because even if Newton comes in later in the season he's going to have no options to throw to they're not going to do very well they're going to make big money they're probably going to have to re-sign him relatively cheap and they're going to get a decent draft pick now it's too early to be saying any team is trying to bomb for a draft pick but this season already for the Panthers is absolutely reeking of desperation and I don't know where it's going to go but I'll be quite interested to see what they do as the season gets nearer there might be some trades in the line or they might see some people in the draft at wide receiver that they really like and I still don't think they're entirely sold on the, on Riverboat I think, I think they were close close to pulling the trigger there before they pulled it out of the bag last season well yeah they won a lot of their games at the last moment so that wouldn't surprise me at all but I think now we've covered the rather poor crop of quarterbacks that have been um, issues in this free agency to to a standard of probably much further than we actually needed to. So we'll move on to the running backs where they're where okay there's not been any real big name signings but there have been some solid signings for teams that do need running. Backs. Um, and I think the most obvious place are is with Ben Tate who has spent the last couple of years as Aaron Foster's backup and has shown similar to. Um, other other running backs absolutely flashes of brilliance when he's got the chance trouble is he's just been getting maybe 10 carries a game 15 carries a game never getting the full 30 carry workload he's signed with Cleveland is he going to get those opportunities? Johnny Gonil yeah I think uh, I like I like his skill set and I like his talent again he's is, is, is being a bit um, flimsy his is, is else being under question uh, for the past two or three seasons I can remember um, I just I don't know I, I know Willis McGee toiled um, behind that offensive line in Cleveland last year um, but some a no-name off the street where Edwin Baker came in and did quite well and then Fozzie Whitaker had a, had a few recent games and I think uh, I don't know I, I suppose my point I'm trying to make is I, didn't, I don't know whether it was the offensive line or the actual running backs that made that a messy situation last year and I don't know if Ben Tate's sort of the, can come in and remedy it or it was the same last year wasn't it sorry uh, the season before last with uh, Chris Obanaya like I say a guy off the street just comes in and he didn't exactly rip it up but I, I think I owned him in a couple of leagues where I was tight at uh, running back so yeah I mean it's crazy to look at I, I checked before uh, the pod went on and he turns 26 in August so he's, he's got time on his side I know running backs don't really last much past 28-29 but that's two years of you would hope the prime of his career now he's been given this opportunity um, like you say he's been getting maybe 10 carries a game at the best and when he has had more than that he's played quite well so I think if he can get the, the workload that you would think he would get looking at I mean Fozzie Whitaker's hardly going to still carry off uh, sign him so mm-hmm. it just depends really what where his talent takes, takes him with that volume but with that kind of volume of carries he's got quite a high floor uh, I wrote my writing article last year um, about um, running backs who get a lot of carries. They've got such a high uh, high floor because there's so many situations where you have two and maybe three running backs and not one one bell cow. So I think he's going to be that bell cow. So he's immediately got that that like high floor, if you will. And like I say, he could he could be anywhere up to a top ten running back if his talent takes him 
where we hope well, where Browns fans hope it will. And that, that's that's what I would question is talent. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say it were a stretch above Trent Richardson, if I'm honest. No. It's, no. it's hard to evaluate his, sorry, uh, Ben, his NFL talent because he's had such little time as a, as a starter. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how many yeah, times he's started, but. So it's hard to make that judgement, but I think he's going to have a pretty big. But I mean, what did uh, Trent do the other year? His rookie year, he wasn't great with his yards per carry, but he was still a, I think he's a top 10 running back. So even with limited ability, and I think he's got more than, more than limited ability to take. So I think, yeah, I don't know, he's got that volume that you, you're crying out for at running back yeah. nowadays in fantasy. He definitely could have fantasy relevance, but a big question here is where are you guys looking to take Ben Tate? If you were drafting tomorrow, would you be looking to take him as your running back too, or would you be more keen to look at him as a flex? Because obviously he's the only real back with any name recognition at the moment there. So you'd think he's going to get the majority of the carries. And anyone that gets the majority of the carries, ideally in fantasy, you want that kind of person. But where are you willing to take the risk on him? I'm, I'm very much in the... Uh, I'm not just taking a guy to film me running back too. Like last year, I made a mistake. Uh, Stephen Ridley, David Wilson, people like that, just to basically stack up running backs. I'm not going to make that mistake this year. I'm not just taking a guy to be my RB2. I ought to get one bell cow and then sort of plug and play with my other running backs. So for me, it's going to be past round five, early round six maybe. Yeah, that, that sounds about right to me. I think it depends on your strategy. Uh, last year, a lot of running back, running back um, strategies uh, that I, uh, I enjoyed with no success last year really. Um, but I think this year, because it's going to start with receivers... He's, yeah, five, six, maybe seven. I don't know. I wouldn't be happy if he was my running back two. But that's because I like to have two solid running backs. But I can see him being a pretty pretty damn good flex play if he can make the most of this opportunity given to him. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying about the running back twos often failing. But a couple of years ago, when I played, the record and the quarterbacks jumped up to being relevant. Everybody took quarterbacks in round one. And then the people that had missed on the quarterbacks and taken the running backs ended up being the ones that won fantasy leagues. It's so hard to get away from running backs because if you hit on the right one first round, then they yeah. can almost single-handedly carry you to a title because they outscore other running backs by so much. But yeah. it's, it's such a hard balance to try and get. And I think it's safe to say the way you two are talking, neither of you will end up with Ben Tate on your team this year because I think he's going to be the sort of running back who's going to go fourth or fifth round, whereas you guys are saying you aren't going to take him till after that. I can see a lot of people saying that he's going to get a lot of the carries. The Browns can't be that bad again. They've got rid of Randall Whedon. I'm going to take him. So I think very much he's going to go higher than what you expect. I think the first few sort of mocks you do, he will surprise you how high he will go. But we'll obviously have to see in the shakeout nearer the season exactly who's where, who's nailed down jobs, who's got injured, stuff like that. Yeah, as far as the caveat with, with Tate is, do they draft a running back? Yeah, that is the only thing, and obviously we can't say much more until we see the draft, which is yeah. obviously coming up reasonably soon, and we will be covering it in 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 depth. So, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did because they've not given him a big contract. It's it's quite a, a team friendly contract that he's taken there. Yeah. It's almost a two years prove yourself, and we'll give you a bigger contract kind of thing. So it wouldn't surprise me if they take another running back, and then you might see if Ben take follows a couple of times early on, he loses the job. Well, yeah, he's he's not had the greatest amount of luck. He got stuck behind a 
probably one of the uh, greatest running backs we've seen in the past five years in, in terms of fantasy at times with Arian Foster. Um, anyway, we will move on to... I, I'm going to say to Donald Brown. He's been signed by the Chargers, which to me doesn't seem like it's going to help you very much in fantasy because going into this year, I think Ryan Matthews might be a bit of a sleeper. Well, how do you guys see that situation shaking out with Brown signing there? It's it's oh, it's such a head scratcher for me. Three years, ten point four million dollars, and they've got a brilliant situation running back already. They've got Ryan Matthews, who I I I fell foul to him a couple of years ago when he had his massive bust year. Um, so I was his worst um, enemy the season that's just been. Um, but you know, I had to I had to make a U turn on that. He, he really came on more than anything. He was consistent, which is such a highly priced commodity at running back. So they've got Ryan Matthews, they've got Danny Woodhead, who I, I was championing, championing him last season, and he turned out to be a gem, especially in PPR leagues. Um, so why would you introduce Brown into that situation for that kind of money? I just think he, he's a, the kind of guy you would think would go somewhere like Raiders or Giants and be there starting running back. He's going to be the third best running back on that team, by opinion. Um, the, the weirdest thing is the team have already said that Matthews is going to be the bell cow. That's the team have said that, not just uh, reports. So if Matthews is the bell cow, then what is Brown? Is he the milkmaid? I don't know because there's just it just I can't see where he's fitting in that role. I can't see where he's going to get any fantasy value. At the very the very worst, he might even take value off Matthews and off uh, Woodhead. I think you guys might be on here, but there's an ex Colts staffer that were part of the regime that drafted Donald Brown that's on Chargers staff and it almost seems as if he wants to prove that Donald Brown weren't a bust yeah uh, I can't think I can't just, his name's just totally escaped me uh, but like Matt says I, don't, I just don't see where he fits there because he's not a particularly great pass catcher so he's not going to take away from Danny Woodhead who, who they really like what I would worry about there is is that situation going to change with Ken Wizen, um, are they going to go to a more traditional to a dead monster with Matthews and Brown and Woodhead's going to get left out in cold or is Brown going to just eat away from Ryan Matthews which is no good uh, for fantasy for anybody it's just it's it's a head scratcher like Matt says it's, it's hard to it's a muddy water yeah it feels like a lot of money for what I thought he would be when I first heard he was going to San Diego I didn't see the money I thought he was going to be well, we think Ryan Matthews is going to get injured, so here's number two kind of guy. But that's a lot of money for a number two in terms of a backup. Because Woodhead, you would think, is always going to play the catching downs because he's just so good. And at times they can split him out into the slot and use him there. So I don't really know where Brown fits in, and that's something that you're definitely going to have to watch. The only caveat I will say to that Brown is going to be the bell cow is last year Spiller was going to get carries until he threw up. Well, he threw up before he even got those carries by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's always hard to tell you what a team says. I always tend to listen to what the team says and then ignore it because <laughs> it tends to be false. They, it's almost like they want to lead fantasy owners down the wrong lines. It's almost like they care about fantasy football. <laughs> to be honest, I just wanted to use that to say that Brown's a milkmaid and then the laugh. Yeah, um, that was fair. Um, I think more than anything, Woodhead's value is going to be hurt because people always talk of him as this kind of um, like down sprawls esque kind of guy. And yeah, he's a great pass catcher and he's a, an absolute gem in PPR. But he's pretty damn good at running the ball as well. He doesn't get the ball often, but he's so short. 
and when he runs it up the middle, the opposing lineman can't even see him. And he, he does so many up the middle runs for 10 yards, and you only see him when he's on the floor because he's just squirmed through so many tackles. But I think he's going to have, I'm not sure how many rushes he might have had this year, maybe approaching 100. But I think that's going to be, if anything, maybe 30 or 40 this year because there will be no need to run up the middle with him anymore if they've got Brown. They haven't signed Brown for um, his role, so his role's going to have to be split in two, if you will. So I do think it harms all the fantasy prospects in that backfield, which is a shame, really. Yeah. The coach I, I was thinking of was Frank Reich, is the, is the new offensive coordinator for the Chargers, and he was part of the Colts regime that drafted Donald Brown. So he obviously liked him, or he's obviously high on him. OK, that's something we definitely need to watch, then. If there's a guy that was involved in the and he might think Brown's got something that the rest of us haven't seen, or he saw it in practice. So it's definitely something to watch out for. But you've brought up two good points there, actually, Matt, with um, in your in your speech about Darren Sproles being one of them. We weren't going to touch on Darren Sproles, but now you've brought him up, I thought we'd just mention the fact that he has gone to Philadelphia. And does his fantasy value there increase or is it a case of he's going to take away from McCoy what do you, what do you think Matt um, it's hard to tell I don't think he really takes away from McCoy because they know what they've got in McCoy um, and he was close to being the leading uh, fantasy spell last season I think his value it's been up and down really he had that massive season a few years back and then he went down a bit last year was a bit better but I, I think he makes a lot of sense for the Eagles. Um, I think, yeah, he, he remains in the same kind of uh, bracket where he's kind of a receiver playing at running back, not just in NFL, but in, in fantasy. So it's, it's so hard to rank him against uh, the other guys when you're doing your running back rankings. You can't. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to put him in that same group with the likes of Peterson and Jamal Charles and Frank Gore, who just run the ball. I know the catch as well, but this guy doesn't really run the ball so it's, it's so hard to place him but I can see him I can see him having a good ball and that offence suits him because it's quite a, you know they have a lot of different looks so yeah I think he'll, he'll kind of retain his value yeah it's a very high speed offence isn't it so he might have used where he could come in is if Deshaun Jackson does leave which is what's been being talked about he could actually do a little bit of the Deshaun Jackson role especially on the returns I know that's kind of irrelevant for fantasy but that's where I could see him actually featuring is in the wide receiver doing those little things that Jackson did the odd screen the deep pass occasionally because he has got that sort of ability but yeah without without Jackson also I don't think they've really got a, a pure slot guy I think Macklin and, and Riley Cooper are more outside receivers I think he could get some action there yeah so in PPR leagues very very interesting running back and we'll have to see sort of how that situation with Jackson plays out to see where Sproles might be in and we'll definitely cover Sproles and that Philadelphia offence more because it's a it's, it could be an absolute boom for fantasy they play but you also mentioned previously the Giants and they've signed a new running back in Rashad Jennings the Oakland Raiders what do you see happening with Jennings Matt? Um, it's interesting the David Wilson situation makes it really sticky but I did not that um the Raiders have the fifth worst defensive line on pro football focus, and the Giants, well, they're not, they're not great, but they're the 15th, well, best, I suppose, it's right in the middle. So he's, he's got better people around him. Um, it's a four-year deal, $14 million. He's a, he's a good all-round back, kind of PPR might have a bit more value. It just it depends 
but you need to see how it shakes out really um, what happens with Wilson and if he's really given the lead role but I, I think it's peculiar for me because I remember a couple of years ago when uh, he played for the Jags and John Strew went down and everyone said oh pick up Jennings pick up Jennings he's going to get all the carries it's going to be brilliant and he's absolutely awful and then he went to the Raiders and pulled up all these trees that McFadden couldn't even find so I mean I don't know why Raiders didn't keep him but I think it's a smart move for the Giants and yeah I think we need to wait until everything's kind of shaken down especially with uh, Wilson and you've got Peyton Hillis there as well which adds to the situation that he could be the real hammer to that offence the the Brandon Jacobs role almost just hammering over those two three yard carries and that could leave Jennings and Wilson in a situation or not they know something about Wilson we don't and that would would change it all a little bit so we'll have to wait and see on that one Um, Neil the reason I didn't come to you for the last one is going to come to you on this one because you specifically said you had something to say about this and being a Titans fan I, I guessed you probably would but uh, the Titans have signed McCluster so what's your take on that? Yeah I think it's uh, a smart signing actually I think we've got Kendall Wright who is sort of that typical like move player you can, you can line him up about you can put him in the slot you can put him outside but I think it is it is underrated as, as a pure wide receiver and I think we needed to, to sign somebody else who we could get in space and uh, give, give the defences something else to, to think about but I think for fantasy purposes I think he's going to be sort of like a little bit like Taven Austin last year where he's going to have a big game somewhere and, it, and, it, and he's going to win you a week but good luck sort of predicting where it is uh, and I, I don't think he's going to eat away uh, to, to your top running backs carries I think he probably might get 10 touches a game a cluster and I think 5 of those could be in the receiving game I don't think he'll hurt was going to be Tennessee's RB1 which is another another thing routed in mystery at the moment yeah very much so that's something that again we'll have to monitor as the season comes closer and we'll talk about more in detail near the time but we'll leave running back there and we'll move on to probably the most interesting position in free agency the wise I know Matt you might argue with me because there's been some great signings on defence but wide receiver there have been some real sort of headline making signings and one of my personal favourites is Hakeem Nicks to the Colts with Andrew Luck throwing him the ball and Reggie Wayne and T.Y. Hilton in that offence to me Nicks has the potential to be fantastic but I could also see him getting lost completely there splitting touches in terms of receptions with Hilton and Wayne what's your take on Neil? I wouldn't discount um, Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen either I think Fleener came on late last year and I think Dwayne Allen was showing that he were a massive red zone as well but as a, as a pure signing on a, on a one year prove it deal a lot of people have compared it to when they signed Darius in Bay I think it's totally different to that Nick's has actually shown something uh, and he's got Super Bowl ring to prove it he's actually shown something in the NFL um, and only 18 months ago two years ago we were talking about him being a top 5 receiver um, I think it's, it's a really, really smart signing from, from Indy the only thing you might find there is that in a year's time they've got both Reggie Wayne and Hakeem Nix possibly to deal with and that could be a small issue for them but I really think if Hakeem Nix can get a rapport with Andrew Luck not just in redraft this year he could be really good but Dynasty he could be a fantastic like fantastic purchase right now because I think people are reasonably low on him okay this signing will have put him back in their mindset but I don't think he's someone to look out for Matt what's your take on that? Um, I think I've always been a big fan of Nick's I think he's, he's a really talented guy but he's just had so many injuries that's obviously that's why they've done the one year deal so 
kind of rely on him to stay healthy. Um, so it is an intriguing prospect, especially in Dynasty, because this one-year deal, you know, it might even be the last one he ever signed if he has a serious injury. Um, but he's, yeah, I, I still can't believe that he's younger than Cruz. He's 26 years old. It just, it just baffles me every time I read that. Cause it, to me, I've only been watching the NFL for... I think five or six years, and he seems to have been there every single season, just like you know, Steve Smith. So, to me, he seems like he's always been there, and he's whenever he's been playing, he's been great. But last season, he had such a big regression. He played 15 games, and he had the exact same number of touchdowns as me. He didn't have any, no touchdowns, yeah. and he played. He played in all those 15 games. Um, yeah, sure, he wasn't number one either. Eli was absolutely awful, but I mean. It, it is some signs of regression there, but he is 26, fresh, fresh environment, much better quarterback. Andrew Luck, I think, could go one of two ways really. Yeah, that, that's very much the case, and I think, I think personally, if you can get him at a cheap enough price in Dynasty, he's well worth buying into. Draft him late in redraft this year, but I think if, if you can get him cheap in either format, you could be onto a great really. But we'll move on I from almost, there. Uh, in one league last year, I almost. I almost flipped him for um, Dwayne Bowen, MG, MJD, and I did mull it over for a couple of days. And I'm glad, glad now how everything's panned out that, that I didn't do that trade. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, we'll move on from Hakeem Nicks and we'll um, move on to Golden Tate, who's signed for the Lions. Um, how do you guys see this going? Matt, I'll come to you first. Um, again, Tate, I'm after them. Uh, I'm a Niners fan, so I shouldn't really enjoy watching Seattle players play well. Especially uh, Tate's antics in that game that they beat us. Um, but I think the biggest change here is that he's moving from a run-first offense to a pass-first offense. Last season and the season before, Seattle ran the ball uh, 52% of the time two years ago and 55% of the time last year. Detroit passed the ball 56% of the time in 2012 and 6% of the time last year. So it's, it's small percentages, but it's quite a big step up. And also, he's playing opposite Megatron. He's going to get a lot of time and a lot of freedom on that field, I think. I, I think he's going to have a lot of value next year. I, th- I can see him being a sleeper. I'm just worried that the hype train's going to kick in and he's going to get massively uh, overdrafted. So we'll have to wait and see when the mocks come around where he's going. Yeah, I don't think he'll be on any of my teams, if I'm honest. No. I, think, I think he will get overdrafted just because he plays opposite Gatron. And uh, to be honest... Up until last couple of seasons, I mean, I know they've, they've drafted Russell Wilson and, and the quarterback situation before that, where uh, an aging Matt Hasselbeck and they had to go with Charlie White just at one point. But I think he's bang average, Tate. If I'm honest, I don't, I don't think he's, he's a particularly great deep threat. I don't think he's a good he's a good slot guy. I think he's got safe hands and and, and occasional big playability, but for me, he's it, just average. Yeah, that's fair enough, and I always think that that's number two wide receiver spot in Detroit is a little bit overvalued. It, I think I heard saw some reference it as the the position that decent wide receivers go to die, um, <laughs> yeah. because for season everyone's like they're going to be brilliant, they're going to be brilliant, and then they do nothing. Yeah, Titus Young and uh, Nate Burleson, and or in some cases they get arrested, which yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's a bad situation, um, but. He could. He's good enough to be a good outlet, especially if Megatron starts getting triple covered in places. But I think very much he's going to be a case of a late flyer. Would you say? Yeah, that's where it should be. 
but whether he will or not is another is another is another story entirely. Like back to Matt's point, he'll get overdrafted because he's the number two in Detroit. Yeah, uh, I guess you have to see. Sorry, Ben. Um, where because it's definitely going to reach the peak. Um, stuff, but it's just where it levels out at. And I think you said you want on him. I think I might well on him. But again, you've got to find that value. If he's if there's a run on receivers, then you know you're just going to have to take him where he goes. But I'm just looking at his stats the last two seasons. And again, this is in an offense where he wasn't the top uh, receiving option last year. Doug Baldwin was the top receiving option last two years. Uh, 45 receptions, 688 yards, seven touchdowns, 67 targets. That was in 2012. And he's just gone. Uh, 64 receptions, 898 yards, five touchdowns, 99 targets. Those targets are going to go up. So those stats, surely they have to go up. I don't know. I, I'm not saying he's going to be awesome just because he's next to Calvin Johnson. But he could easily be a wide receiver three, uh, flex play. I don't know. I think yeah, he's I think got that upside. In his career, last season is the the first season I can remember him actually being drafted in fantasy. I think yeah. um, it was sort of a, a, a we didn't really trust up until last season. Um, but like I say, it's, I mean, we'll probably have to agree to disagree. But I just think I don't think his talents particularly. I don't think he wows anybody. If you know what I mean, it, it's just average for me. I think we'll find that out um, on this offense, I suppose. So we'll have to settle that while the season starts. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave you two to settle that out nearer the time. Uh, I'll be, I'll be interested to see your article going back and forth on Golden Tate if you really want to do a whole article on Golden yeah. Tate. <laughs> we'll move on from there. Maybe now we'll transition over to what, who was probably the best wide receiver of this group last year in terms of fantasy with Eric Decker and his signing at the Jets. Um, it, was, it was quite funny to me. Eric Decker signed for the Jets. That got a big front page thing on NFL.com and then next to it was... Patriots signed Daryl Revis almost as if the Jets went yeah we've got Decker look at us and the Patriots we've got the man that's got him catching anything so what is your view of Eric Decker with the Jets Matt sorry sorry you were you were breaking up on uh, Decker um, yeah I think he was in a really peculiar situation I wrote the um, AFC West articles each week and it was this absolutely horrible group of receivers to one in a good way because they were all talented but one week there was always one of them that was going to miss out and it tended to be Decker more often than not until later in the season but I think it's, it's important to remember that yeah, people will say oh he's going to play with Geno Smith or perhaps Vic but Decker did well with uh, certain someone whose name I'm not going to say uh, on their run to the playoffs so I think he's not limited to his quarterback in that sense last year we had 137 targets he's not going to get that for the Jets I'm sorry even as the number one option with Holmes gone he's not going to get that so I think it's not really the worst situation to be in because he's going to be the number one but I don't know I, I'm not entirely sold on him I don't, I don't really want to want any Jets wide receiver if I can help it also Matt with, with those uh, 137 targets last season were he really reliable every week I, I can't say he were I think no. early in the season there were 4 or 5 weeks where we were totally anonymous and you didn't know whether to start him or not couldn't really trust him so with less targets and a less prolific quarterback it, it doesn't really board well as much as I believe in his talent I actually think he's not a product of Peyton Manning so I think um, he's a product of Tim Tebow <laughs> yeah sorry, I sorry. He's, a, he's a quality receiver he's got a good arm puts his head where it hurts uh, he's a good deep threat he can get up in end zone and get it one on one with cornerbacks and uh, you know I, I think all around he's, he's, he's a very talented guy but I think in a less prolific offence with less targets 
it's only going one way for his fantasy value. Yeah, so the only thing I will say is that Peyton Manning is very clever. He he spots matchups. Your matchup is favourite one. He isn't going to give you. The, the ball, he's going to go to one of his other favourable matches, especially in that offence. Whereas with the Jets, I feel like there could be a case where they get down and they have to force feed him the ball a little because he will be their number one. The only thing it might help actually is Stephen Hill as their number two. He might find now that he gets the weaker cornerback and he gets a few more receptions, but that's something that I think gets said every year that Stephen Hill could be great as a number two and then he never actually is. I think the Jets have made a smart move getting Decker. They've given Geno Smith possibly the best opportunity he could have if, um, if, you, if you get a wide receiver that can work with Tim Tebow I'm sure he can work with Geno Smith um, but we'll, we'll move to uh, we'll move on to the Broncos actually because that's a logical moving point and they've replaced Eric Decker with Emmanuel Sanders who was at Pittsburgh where do you see Sanders fitting in this offence do you see him coming straight in as the Decker role getting those 130 targets or do you feel that he might get 90 targets and those targets get spread Julius Thomas kind of direction yeah, I think uh, Julius Thomas is in line for getting some of those targets. I think last season, I think you were a nice surprise, Julius Thomas, for Denver, because I, I might be mistaken, but through preseason, you really hear a lot about him, and, and then he come out first week of season, sort of gangbusters catching touchdown passes. I think he'll be more of a, a more of a bigger part of game plan this time around, and I think he might do might move to different places on field and be utilised for, for mismatches, kind of New England have used the tight ends in the last few years. I think Sanders, for me, it, 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 I don't know what he is. Is he a deep threat? Is he a slot receiver? And he's got his hands are terrible as well for me. I've seen, seen him drop some passes in Pittsburgh. You watch Redland and they go to Pittsburgh and, and Ben's sort of dropping back, looking, and he unleashes a pass and it's bouncing off of Sanders' hands. I seem to have seen that numerous times. I don't know what Sanders is, if you know what I mean. So, well, if that's the case, you might often find Peyton Manning loses patience with him, so... Um, so you're not going to be drafting him as high as you were drafting Decker last year which was as a number two wide receiver you're probably more looking at him as a number four number five with it yeah and I think it's very very honourable obviously just just by virtue of being on Denver Um, but he's got a lot to prove for me Uh, and if there's anybody that's going to make him prove it it's obviously Peyton Manning yeah that's that's definitely fair enough so um, we've got a couple of wide receivers to cover here Um, I was Thing we should discuss Brandon LaFell, who I believe is signed for the Patriots. Um, he, he he's not going to probably be their number one because they tend to use number ones in a different term. But he could be a real help to Tom Brady this year, couldn't he? I think so. I think um, talent-wise, he's probably the best wide receiver on that roster. And um, with Brady thrown to him, I mean, he makes miracles happen. I remember just before the last year, talk of Kendall Tompkins. Uh, and the other fellow I forgot his name uh, um, yeah and these guys were undrafted free agents as far as I can remember and people were saying oh yeah this guy's you know, one of the one of the best going to be one of the uh, best you mean, uh, sorry Matt uh, Zach Sudfeld you mean oh yeah Sudfeld as well yeah, yeah Dobson were uh, like a third round pick second or third round pick okay not, not maybe not Dobson but Tompkins and Sudfeld then and these guys are just coming off the street and yeah they, you know, they might have been great but people were just assuming because Brady was throwing to them they're going to be some, some kind of superstar and I think LaFell you know LaFell did he did reasonably well as uh, the understudy to Steve Smith in Carolina so I think with Brady you know who knows what might happen it's it's an unknown quantity really because like you say they use the receivers uh, in a different way but I think I think he's got a good chance here he just needs to take it 
So I, personally, I'm going to be looking at him as maybe a flex wide receiver during the season, depending on what I see from him Brady in pre-season, because there was a lot of reports last warnings. Tompkins is dropping balls in pre-season, Dobson's dropping balls in pre-season. There's a lot, there was a lot of warnings that this was it wasn't going to be as good as people were imagining. So it's very much a case of see how LaFell and Brady um, get together, see how the offense is shaping up. But I'd be looking at him probably as a flex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's fair. yeah, So you mentioned he used to be the to Steve Smith, so that's where we'll go next. Uh, Steve Smith has signed with the Ravens after being released by the Carolina Panthers in a very odd situation where I don't think anyone quite saw it coming. So what make of Steve Smith, Raven? Um, I think I don't know. I, I don't want to seem negative on every player we're, we're talking about, but I think this could take away from from the other weapons because I think I think Steve Smith's. It can still take top off the defence. I think it can still get deep, which is traditionally Tory Smith. And uh, at stage of his career as well, you think he'd be sort of catching a lot of shorter passes and being more of a possession receiver. I don't think he's going to just slot into Anquan Bolden's old role. Um, and, I, and I don't think, to be honest, I don't think there's a lot of value with Steve Smith fancy wise. I think he'll be either a waiver wire ad or a really, really late pick. But what I worry about is does he take away from other weapons see I don't think he, I think if anything he helps Torres Smith because the name recognition of Steve Smith will draw a, cor- a safety towards him or draw the better cornerback potentially early on in the season so I would surprise me if Steve Smith gets weak sorry not Steve Smith Torres Smith gets a slightly weaker matchup early on and can get deep maybe he's not getting double teamed as much because Steve Smith is drawing that attention that's where I think the value might lie and in Flacco's if a Flacco that might be good as well because it means he can get the deep passes off to Torrey Smith which is what he is reasonably good at it can only help Flacco you would think but um, looking at the last three years his snaps were virtually on the grid uh, for two years and then last year he down to 8-10 so it's a 10% reduction he may say that's not a lot but he's 34 he's 35 um He's going to be 35 this time next year. He's definitely winding down. And I don't know. But the, the, the funny thing is, the way you said how he left was uh, quite acrimonious. I think that might, if anything, light a fire under him and make him say, look, you know, look at what you've missed. And as the Panthers do a nose dive, what we were talking about earlier, maybe the Falcons will rise up right past them and just stand Smith from the window waving. So I don't know. He's, he's got unquantifiable craziness that he might just might just go mental yeah that kind of guy yeah he could very easily do that yeah, I agree with you so um, we'll move on to our last last wide receiver of this group and we spent quite a long time on the wide receivers here this one is uh, James Jones who signed for the Raiders you mentioned him earlier when we were talking about Matt Sharp I- I'm quite high on James Jones but I still feel like he might be a bit of a boom or bust like he was in Green Bay in the offence what's your opinion Neil? I just think, uh, like I said earlier, with, with Shaw, I think he's got declining arm strength. And, and I think Jones has very much relied on, on the big play. If you look at his, his stats, I mean, he caught 14 touchdowns um, the season before last. Um, he'll never do that again in the rest of his career. For me, that were, that were Aaron Rodgers driven. And Matt Shaw, obviously, obviously, he's not Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know, maybe he'll adapt his role, maybe be more of a leader and, and sort of cut them targets sort of thing on on, Raiders, on a young Raiders squad but for me I, I don't think Shaw's going to be able to put the ball where Jones wants it I think the problem is that Raiders have signed Jones to be as Neil said like a veteran presence that, that receiving core 
um, it's, it's young and it's raw but it's very inexperienced I think um, uh, Daenerys more three years he's the most experienced player and he's, you know, he's often injured so I think they've signed him as that kind of veteran presence but you don't really count this points for a player being you know, putting his arm around players when they're playing badly or being a good locker room presence so I don't know I don't know if it's better being uh, Aaron Rodgers' second or third best receiver than Shalb's best receiver on the Raiders you know it's it's just one of those places you don't really want to be a bit like a bit like um, New York uh, New York Jets but last year Oakland receivers had 10 touchdown receptions between them so you know it's going to be so like Neil says he's only at 14 but it's that would hurt I do actually quite like uh, Ode Holmes um, just going back to the yes. dynasty value I think he's, he's a good pick up I think he's, he's like prototype size um, he's got good hands and what what, I've, what I saw of him last year made me go and try and pick him up in, in every dynasty league I'll play him if I'm honest but you um, didn't get him in Arsenal no 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 <laughs> I think he's got a chance I think he ended up with Drew Davis unfortunately okay. <laughs> I think he's, uh, he's got a chance to stake a claim for a lot of targets Con- considering you t- two guys were quite down on Sharp at the start of this podcast there's a lot of uh, Raiders wide receivers that you're telling us to keep an eye out on so we'll, uh, we'll have to see how that one pans out nearer the uh, nearer draft season and I'm sh- like I say with all teams we will be covering every team and each position in more depth as we get close to the season um, I think we'll leave wide receivers there because we'll, we'll move on to tight ends but I don't really think there's been a lot of news that's going to be particularly worth talking about here obviously Jimmy Graham is saying with the Saints that's fantastic to say any more than that um, okay, I'll ask you first, Neil. Is there any tight end other than Jimmy Graham who's been a big free agency or a part of free agency you think is going to make a fantasy impact that you're going to draft? Uh, in a word, <laughs> um, no. That that's a fine answer. That is that's exactly what I kind of expected. Uh, I, would, I would honestly be clutching at straws if, if I'm honest, and I, I will probably probably say say something stat based that really any weight so I would honestly be clutching at straws in that respect No that, that's perfectly fine the only name I could think of was uh, Brandon Pettigrew and I say Brandon yeah, Pettigrew sorry. every year and he does nothing so Obviously Fourier as well Fourier is, I think Fourier is quite a, a bit of a sleeper for next season in that offence Yeah so Matt same question to you is there anyone that stands out for you? Yeah, I think you're scraping the barrel a little uh, if you're trying to find something to talk about. And, but I think one thing you will notice that there's so many that are just asking, you know, they want that end. There's just not no none to be had, if you will. There's, there's lots of tight and hungry teams out there. So I think there could be plenty of players that um, uh, turn up, but I don't know. No, there's not one in free agents that's moved so far that really stands out. I mean, if Pettigrew's your marquee signing, then you've got problems. I think Owen Daniels would be a decent pick-up for somebody. I don't know who, but... Absolutely, absolutely. would be a decent pick-up for somebody. Yeah, and you've also got Gap Graham resigned with the uh, Texans, which if they get a rookie quarterback in there, he could be their safety blanket. He could have a reasonably decent year. So, that would be interesting to watch, definitely. But I think we'll leave the offence there, because we've covered it pretty well. We've we've spent nearly nearly 45 minutes just on the offence, which, uh, which is... Fantastic coverage of it, really. But now I think this is probably going to move away from your knowledge, Neil, because we're going on to the defence, and this is where Matt yep. is going to come right into this. Um, Matt, just spend a couple of minutes and tell us why IDP leagues. Uh, it's, it's just it just makes it more of a complete experience to me. I started uh, playing fantasy football about five years ago, and I kind of just threw myself into it. And every season, I tried to take on a new. Uh, a new form of playing the game so whether it was redraft to dynasty or normal to IDP I think uh, I've done three scenes of IDP now and it's just it makes every play exciting if you will 
um, when you when you were watching your fantasy football team watching the game, you've got your receivers and your quarterbacks, and when when they lose the ball, when it's being out or whatever, um, you kind of lose interest in that game. But it's it just make, means every sack you celebrate sacks like touchdowns. You know, every a pick six can literally swing the game and make you make you win it in the last minute, just like it does in real life. It just it just makes it more of a complete experience to me. And playing it without IDP now, it just seems empty. Not empty because I love uh, fantasy football, but it just the, the whole team D is for me. It's, if you've got the time, you should absolutely look into IDP and try and make it um, part of your fantasy football. It's just I, I, words can't describe how good it is. It's just it makes it so much better in every way. Yeah, my way of looking at it is um, people that play fantasy football and fantasy baseball. If, if you're a fantasy baseball player, you draft your, all your, your hitters and your pitchers separately. You imagine, I know some leagues do this, but you imagine instead of drafting a, uh, like all sort of six individual pitchers, you're just drafting a pitching staff. It makes it so much less enjoyable, and that's what the difference is between IDP and Team D is. You're taking out a whole element of that game. You're minimising it down. And you won't believe the amount of times I have stood up and punched the air because some <laughs> no-name linebacker has made a tackle because I've got yeah. him in one of my dynasty leagues. And... Yeah. Not necessarily even because he's playing in my dynasty league, just because he's made three tackles in a game, and now I can trade him for something. So <laughs> it just adds that extra element. It makes trading more in depth. I found as well because you do you can chuck against players, whereas you're not going to give up the Kansas City defense in a trade because they're so much they were so much better at times than everyone else. If, if it's just a case of giving up Tamba Hali to get somebody, it, it make it just increases the depth. Is what I found, and that's why I think. Everyone should give IDP a go. You don't have to go into a full defense where you have to draft every position on defense. You can just draft one linebacker, one D lineman, and one d- uh, defensive back to begin with, and then maybe flex among those positions just to get a feel for it and just grow into it. Absolutely, that's the best side. And it's, it's like you say, if you ease yourself into it, it's you just get addicted. And I think in my first season, I had two of each: defensive linebacker, defensive back, and then we moved to three. And now we've got the league I'm playing in with uh, Neil uh, Dennis League. You literally start two defensive ends, one or two tackles, three or four linebackers, two safeties, two cornerbacks. It's just like a real NFL team. You imagine a real NFL team. And like you say about trading, you've got your commodities. And it's, it's fun trading Peterson and Jones or whoever you've got. But when you throw a defensive player into the mix, it just adds that extra dimension of strategy, especially in Dynasty. I think if you're playing Dynasty without IDP, you really are missing out. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it, it comes more hand-in-hand with Dynasty than Redraft in that it adds that aspect of off-season and stuff like that. Um, what we'll do is we'll leave talking about the specific IDP there. And what I'd like to do is a podcast maybe one day where when we get um, Luke and Grant on as well, which is who we hope to get on in the future, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about different, different setups. So we'll talk about IDP more in depth. We'll talk about Dynasty more in depth. We'll, we'll go into salary cap leagues and stuff like that a bit more then we'll save that for another podcast because I think that will really help people who maybe haven't used them to get an idea of what they are like. So for now, we'll shift on to the defensive line. And I don't imagine we're going to spend long on these players because, like I said, Matt's going to be the only person with much of an opinion here because me and Neil just play it. We don't really know a great deal about these players. We know the names, obviously, because the three that I'm about to mention are big names. And we'll start with... Um, is it Demarius Ware? Demarcus Ware. Demarcus Ware, I've completely yeah. blanked on his first name. Yeah. Demarcus Ware of the Broncos. He, that's where he's now signed. He was released by Dallas. Matt, what's Demarcus Ware going to do for your your defense in IDP? Um, I think firstly, and this is another thing that you wouldn't really be uh, expressing without IDP, his designation is going to be important. It's ill fancy, and it might differ on different sites. Defensive end, 
or offensive lineman, depends on the league you play, or a linebacker. And that, that difference is massive because defensive ends are few and far between for high scoring points. There's a whole host of them that's excellent and then it drops off so quickly. So it'll probably be listed as defensive end because the linebacker's value might take a bit of a shot. Um, last year, he really did come down from uh, the pitch. He, was, he put himself on. Um, scored 53.5 points in the first three, so that's a uh, uh, big play heavy, so six points for a sack, ten for interceptions, one for tackles. Um, so 53.5 points his first three games. The other ten that he played for the rest of the season, he just scored 50. So half his points are scored in three games. And while, whilst that's kind of a feature anyway, especially when they when they get to the quarterback and get sacked, he's going to get a lot of points that week. But another week, when they get the tackles and one for loss, they might get six points. So that it kind of comes to the territory, but it's a bit worrying to see that he's been so patchy. Um, you might argue that there's not enough sacks really down in Denver with Von Miller there as well, but there are. Last season, you look at um, Arizona, who had uh, Carl Dansby and Kalei Campbell, both managed plenty of sacks. So I don't think that really will be a problem. Denver got 41 last year, that'll probably go up to more like the fifth max. Uh, he's always going to have that high floor um, because he's such an aggressive pass rusher. And I think he's going to benefit from Miller taking up some blocks. Um, but I think of the two on Miller, uh, not just because of his age either, I just think whereas he's, he's coming to that stage where acceleration is so important to be a pass rusher and he's, he's, he's going to start losing it. But I think I think he's in the top 10, top 20 defensive end conversation at the end of the season. Also, Matt, I don't think uh, Denver have re-signed Sean Phillips either, have they? Yeah, so it does open up more uh, more opportunities for him in that defense. I have to say that's a shame because I just signed um, Sean Phillips in a uh, in a salary cap league only for uh, uh, like the base salary. But yeah, I was kind of hoping he was going to re-sign at Denver. I hope so. I hope he ends up in Tennessee. If I'm honest, I think he's been. I'm not sure. I think he's been in for a visit, but I think it'd be a good pickup for Tennessee. Well, that'd definitely be a yeah, that'd be a good place to have. They've got they've got a decent rush. But he would definitely improve it. Yeah, um, so that's 3-4. So, uh, we were talking about the Raiders earlier, and they've made a big defensive signing. Well, a couple of years ago, it might have been considered bigger than it is now, but they've signed Justin Tuck. Matt, Justin Tuck, is he going to be IDP relevant? Uh, funny you should say, um, not so much recently. Last year, uh, in the league I played with Neil, uh, he was the fifth best defensive end, got 11 sacks on the season. Um, and that just shows you if he, if he gets the sacks he's getting your points and that really throws you up the board you can have one big game I think he got four sacks in one game against the Skins in week 13 last season and that absolutely threw him right up the leaderboard and you might think oh well that's the only reason he's uh, the best defensive end but all these guys near the top they all have these big games so you can't really take that away from him it wouldn't be fair um, he's 30 years old so yeah I think he's still got a couple of years left Auckland obviously agree um, is replacing Lamar Houston uh, who was pretty decent for the Rays last year he got sacks so I think Tuck will at least be uh, aiming for 6, 8, maybe 10 I'm not sure if he can get 11 again but we've seen he's got the floor uh, sorry the same to that he's been very consistent in his um, last well since he's been in the NFL since he's been a starter he's been getting around 8 sacks every single year that might be you know 6 one year and 11 another but he's always been around that mark which is Again, for that kind of position, that consistency is what you pay for, and he's he's um he's pretty consistent. Uh, I, there's no way he's going to be fifth best defensive end this year, I don't think. But he's still in top for like top 15, top 20. So I think as long as he continues to um, rush the quarterback as effectively as he has been, I mean, last year he was, was pretty phenomenal to be honest. They made Jason Pierre-Paul look so small, 
um, which is uh, not an easy thing to do. So I think, yeah, top 15, maybe top 10 if you're being overly generous. Well, I definitely think I missed out just how good Justin Tuck was last year with the whole mediocreness. I think we all I think did. it was just the mediocreness of Giants for the first eight games. Absolutely. Turned us all yeah. off to the Giants by mid-season. And then they, they made a couple of signings of uh, they got or they traded for John Beeson, I believe, yeah. and that turned the whole defense around. Everybody started performing a bit better then, and I think that's where where I've missed out on Justin Tuck. There, I did own him at one point. I hope I didn't drop him, um, but I can't remember off the top of my head. It, it, it's a deep, deep league. So I can't remember if I kept him in the end, and I probably did, and I probably benefited from it actually. Okay. So. Uh, um, but yeah, we'll go on to another big name who, over the past few years, has been a fantastic name in, in pass rushing, Julius Peppers. He was uh, released by the Chicago Bears and went on to sign with their rivals, the Packers. So, the Packers, they always, they've always had a decent pass rush, but Julius Thomas surely is just going to add to it, isn't he? And he's, he's going to be fantasy relevant this year. Yeah, I think, I think Peppers is, is an intriguing one, really. Uh, I read an article by Pete Crisco, I think it was. Um, and he'd gone into all the study in the films of the last season and really his takeaway from that was just has gone and he's 34 years old and you really need that kind of acceleration to get off the line to be one of these top defensive ends and it's just it's just gone he thinks he's not saying he's done as a player and he's, he's never going to be uh, anything in the NFL again but I think that that top end performance that we've used to seeing his name associated with it's gonna. I think it's ready to tail off now, and I think because you need that explosion of the line uh, 34, it's kind of like uh, running backs fall off when they get to the 29, 30 stage because you need that um, pace. You know, you need you need acceleration at 34. He's, he's going to be okay, I think, but I wouldn't really I wouldn't really be starting him unless you had to start three or four uh, defensive ends. Who do? I think his, his versatility is what's uh, what's got him picked up. Yeah. I think he'll play a tackle and some outside linebacker, I think. And that, that's a rare commodity, even at 34. But I'm not sure Absolutely. what it does for his IDP value. The problem with that is, once he goes inside the line, you know as well as I do, Neil, defensive tackles tend not to score many points at all. No. So he, if he's been shifted about the line, staying on the ends, yeah, he's going to be rushing the pass, so he might get your sack. If he's in the middle, you know, he's going to make the tackle for loss and maybe four or five tackles again. It's not like he's going to be playing defensive tackle all game, but all he's doing is losing snaps where he'd normally be rushing the passer, so it's definitely not going to help. And it's funny how it can be such a positive, he's so versatile in real life, in football, it can be seen as a negative. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, because I know in one age the way I was described when I was um, the linebacker scoring was almost similar to running backs with D line very similar to sort of D linemen and cornerbacks being very similar to for wide receivers, whereas straight away deeples were just considered in trade fodder. So it's, it's yeah. odd how that, that that slight change in what you consider to be a difference. And if he does end up playing sort of even 25% of his snaps at D tackle, that's going to heavily affect the amount of points he's going to score. Yeah. So, okay, make him more consistent potentially because he might be getting four or five tackles a game, but it might it will stop him getting the big points, the big sort of like you say, then tuck four sacks in a game sort of games. So, and uh, the point is that defensive end, that's exactly what you're paying for. There's no you know there's no mincing uh, around it. You want guys who get to the quarterback early and often, and they need to be getting ten sacks a season at least. So, if, if he's even losing like say 25% of snaps maybe to a defensive tackle, it's just killing that kind of. Any, any ceiling he has he's just come shattering down to be honest so I'm not saying he's awful and you, sh- and you shouldn't use him or draft him 
but his, his time has been and gone, I think, and he's he's ready for a regression, especially if he's being moved to the inside of the line. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's the big thing with him. Like I say, there'll be the consistency there, but he's never going to win you a week if he's playing a lot of sacks, a lot of position, a lot of snaps yeah. at D tackle. He's never going to win you a week. Okay, he might, like I say, give you two or three points a week, but when other teams are getting ten points from their D lineman who gets a couple of sacks, is that really going to? It's not. It's not going to balance yeah. out for you. So he, he's probably going to be a guy. If you're going to take him, you're going to take him late maybe to see how he gets on early on. Yeah. But we'll, we'll move away from the, uh, the defensive lineman area there and as you will have gathered from that conversation when we discuss defensive linemen we are mostly going to be discussing the DNs because they are your big scorers they're the main guys some leagues will require you to have D tackles and so we'll touch on them but there's only a couple of D tackles you really want other than that it's the D lineman you want to focus on uh, With the linebackers I've got again three names here and um, start with the expatriate Brandon Spikes who has signed for the Bills I know the Bills were playing out for a linebacker and there was a lot of talk they might take one in the draft. So how do you see Brandon Spikes faring? Um, in real life, great. I think, it's, I think it's a good fit for the Bills, but in fantasy, no. There's, there's nothing really there to uh, to get you going because he's taken off the field, for the Patriots at least, for passing downs, which, like I said earlier, if he's not rushed a passer, and I know he's a middle linebacker, so he gets plenty of tackles, but that kind of... If, if you, your middle linebacker's like, say, Patrick Willis, you might get four sacks a year. If this guy's not rushing, or not playing on passing downs, we've taken away all, all the potential for him to score 15 points or something. And that was, except last year, he played perhaps every game. He scored 10.5 points once, and over that once. Other than that, all the rest of his games were 10 points, which, yeah, it's fine if he's getting 10 every week, but you don't want to be scoring 6, 9, 2, 7, 8, 6... It's just not enough to be consistently worth starting uh, in France leagues. And again, it's good for the Bills one-year deal. Everyone's happy, but he's just not going to entail your fantasy team to the same thing as hopefully he'll do for the Bills. No, so my prime example would be Luke Keekley and Jared Mayer. They put up good points as middle yeah. linebackers, but that's because yeah. they're on the field every down. They, they, Absolutely. They can make tackles three... They could, the chances are they'll make three tackles on all three downs, whereas Brandon Spike's only going to have the opportunity to make two tackles on the first two downs, and then he's off the field because he's just not good in coverage. I, I've watched him, and he's just... He's not good enough at that, and he's not just because he's moved to a new team doesn't mean he's going to stay on the field. Absolutely. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll go on to... Well, I said it to be an underrated signing by the Colts, and I, I think he well he was a couple of years ago a very good player in fantasy. Dequell Jackson, well, what do yeah. you see him doing this year, Matt? Well, the year you're referring to, 2,124 tackles, it's quite impressive. Probably would have been in the top ten. He's certainly in the top five for linebackers in fantasy. I don't know if they on them, um, but since then, the last two years, he's not got up to 90, so 75 percent of best. Um, I think you know he's he's. Is finished as a premier linebacker in that conversation that uh, you would have with like the Kickleys and your Navarro uh, Bowman, for example. He's not going to be in that conversation again. Um, he's fortunate. Like, I think that's yeah, criticism. I'm sorry, man. It's okay. Uh, Four-year deal. Um, so I think I think it worked out well for the Cardinals because he's a good player. Just he's not going to bounce in there. But. You know, it's, it's for a team who probably going to face a lot of runs because Colts are traditionally pretty weak against the run. Hopefully, he'll change that. Um, so that might give a bit more value than the Browns, who are better at the run. But yeah, long, long term, I, I can't see him being much other than a kind of third choice starter at linebacker. So if you're starting three linebackers, yeah, it's your third best. But he's not going to be a guy you'd reach for in the draft. 
Yeah, that makes that makes sense. He's like I, say, I, th- I feel when I say underrated, I mean more as a in a real term. I think he yeah. he always yeah. seems to be when you look at when you're watching the Browns, he's the name you always seem to hear. So that stands out to you, but. But that obviously doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy. Even on offense, that doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy when you keep hearing a player's name. So definitely not on defense. Uh, the final linebacker we've got here is Jameel McLean of the Giants. Um, I have to say the name doesn't ring any sirens for me. So what's with was, him? Um, last season he was with the Ravens. He was injured for quite a lot of life, so you can't really look back at uh, tape from last year. But I think the problem is. You look at his uh, it's, it's three and a half years, really, if you count last year's half year, that he's been in, in the NFL as a starting middle linebacker. For most tackles, he's got his 56. So, you just, you're struggling to find where he's going to find the extra 40 or 50 to make him you know, a, a top linebacker. And he's taken over Beeson's role and he filled that in quite well. And again, in real life, it's a good sign of the Giants. He's a reasonable linebacker. He's, he's probably not as good as Beeson, but he's younger. Um, he just doesn't have that kind of ceiling that you need to be productive at that level uh, so it, I don't know if he's never got over 56 tackles I mean that's that's poor that's a lot less than Spike had so I, I can't see where the value is going to come from a claim yeah, so think, uh, oh. sorry sorry Ben I'm just going to make the point that um, if, you, if you're playing as it were team defences in, in just a standard redraft Giants are, are actually quite a good sleeper this season I think they've made some, made some really good moves and I think they finished last season well I think Giants are, are either sort of terribly bad or really smart and seem to be smart than everybody else to sort of these plateaus but I think their defence as a team defence I think is uh, a good sleeper for next season OK yeah, I'm that. it's always good to get that view because there are a lot of people that do play um, team defence and that was what I was going to say with the Broncos actually they are pretty much going to be I reckon a superb defence they've made some great signings this year OK we've yeah. only touched on one but there are quite a few good guys uh, we'll move on now back to the uh, final line of the um, IDP players. Again, we've got three names here. First one, probably very close to your heart, Matt, is uh, Antoine Bethea, signed by the 49ers. <laughs> so what do you think he's going to do for you in fantasy this year? Um, well, uh, looking back, those last three linebackers, I was pretty negative about them. Uh, these are going to be a bit more positive. Antoine Bethea is in a position like cornerback or a defensive back where you just do not get consistency. It's a very difficult position to to um, score. Um, so, in a position where you don't really get much consistency, these are his uh, tackle numbers from the last six years. 74 tackles, 70 tackles, 77, 80, 75, 78. This guy gets over 70 tackles every single season. And that is a base point for your cornerback. That is phenomenal. You can't buy that kind of consistency. He finishes the 14th best cornerback, and you might think, oh, well, nothing to write home about. But it's that consistency that you don't really get at cornerback because you might have a uh, cornerback who scores two points. So all he does, he plays well in tackles, but you can't rely on them getting interceptions, you can't rely on them getting sacks or tackles for loss. So all you're looking at at a baseline is those tackles. So if he's going to get over 70 tackles every single year, you've got a fantastic level to start from. Even if he only gets maybe 78 tackles and interception he's doing alright um, and he doesn't rely on interceptions which is important there's plenty of cornerbacks that just come flying up the ranks one season because he's catch maybe 7, 8, 9 interceptions he had 2 in his last 4 years so if, to only have 2 interceptions in the last 4 years but still be in the top 15 cornerbacks every single season is pretty impressive for me he's, he's just consistent where you can't buy consistency which is uh, I'm really happy with him at the 49ers as well I'll say that 
Okay, I've just circled Antoine Bethay on my list of people to look out for in my uh, IDP drafts this year. Um, nice, uh, tandem with uh, Eric Reid. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they work together. Okay, so we'll go from a uh, one Mr. Consistency to somebody who is deemed, I think, to uh, over the past few years, a bit of a very consistent person, maybe more so in real than fantasy, but Charles Woodson. He's re-signed with the Raiders, which initially you might look at it and see what the Raiders did last week. Oh, God. But are we missing something there, Matt? Is he sneakily going to be good for you? He, last season, uh, I picked him up. Uh, as a waiver wire I think and I basically picked him up because of his name Charles Woodson and he's at the Raiders so it gave me an extra incentive to watch the Raiders as if I didn't need any more uh, but yeah he finished with the 12th best quarterback so higher than the first 75 tackles 22 assists so this guy's getting close to 100 tackles in total which is, is phenomenal for a position uh, it's similar to Faye in a lot of ways uh, in that almost every season he's getting those tackles he doesn't rely on interceptions so much um, although he had that season where he had nine or something, I wish I'd had him. I wish I played IDP football that year because he would have been an absolute god. Uh, and like, yeah, like the fair, he's got a high floor. Um, you can't really judge them by the ceiling because it's so erratic. Uh, but it's, yeah, he's underrated. He's 37, I think, Woodson. So logically, you would think, what's he doing? But I'm so very recent. My density team, it gives me another. I, I know for that position, I'm safe for another year. So if. if he probably won't even be drafted in a lot of leagues because of his age, but I think it's proved last year it wasn't an issue. So I'd, I'd say he's the last rounder, just just after you kick him. Okay, that's definitely some somebody to keep on your radar late on in your draft. So definitely something that everyone needs to keep an eye out for. Um, and a few years ago, Charles Woodson was uh, one of the hottest names in for Israel. So it's a perfect transition, really, to the guy who many people consider still to be perhaps the greatest defensive back out there at the moment okay I think there are others that have replaced him but I think the name will bring a lot of people going, oh yeah he's good Daryl Revis yeah. signed for the Patriots this year which as a Patriots fan if, I can, if they can keep him healthy I'm overjoyed about it Matt what's his um, IP it's non-existent I'm afraid the problem the one problem with IDP is that guys who are excellent cornerbacks especially the shutdown corners tend to be absolutely useless and fancy because what they do is shut down that side of the field they essentially take the receiver out of the game but you don't get points for how many times Darrell Reeves shuts down the opposing corner you only get points where he gets tackles inceptions he's not going to get those inceptions if the ball's not near him and who's going to throw the ball near Darrell Reeves so underneath his name on a sheet that I've written down with I've just written up there's no value to be had in Darrell Reeves and all you need to do is hope that if you want him in the league you've got someone stupid enough to think oh my god Darrell Reeves yeah I'll trade for Darrell Reeves and try and get something for him because he, he just doesn't bring anything to fantasy football which is a real shame because he's a uh, top quality cornerback yeah and then especially when you add in how injury prone he's been lately it just, yeah, yeah. It just compounds but a quick link off that this is the last defensive bat we're talking about so just a very quick link here Brandon Browner has also signed for the Patriots OK shall be spended by the game of the season because that seems to be yeah. how he's going at the moment but if he can stay on the field and play opposite to Rory surely he has got fantastic fantasy value because yeah, if you're not going to throw at Darrell Reeves, you have to throw at the other guy. And that's Brandon Brown. He's a good enough player. He he was a, Okay, he might have been hidden a little bit if he's got any weaknesses in that Seattle defence. But could Brown be a sneaky play for you this year, playing opposite Darrell Reeves? I think he could. Um, I would say that when you're drafting defensive backs, you need to take them as late as you can because 
the difference between, say, the, the fifth out of the back and the 25th best is so minimal that it, it doesn't bear thinking about taking them out. Really. But if you're going to reach for any guy, then he's right up there. Just because, like you say, playing opposite, as if playing opposite Rivas wasn't enough. He's, he's, a, he's a proper baller, this guy. He's had nine interceptions in the last two years. He's had 26 passes defended in the last two years. That is phenomenal. He had 23 in one season, I think. So if he can get anything like that again, get in and around the ball, he might get five or six interceptions um, this coming season. And like you say, playing, playing with Rivas is only going to help him. And whilst Rivas is pretty useless, Browner. You know, it'd be one guy that you would genuinely reach for and hope. You know, he might give me an inception every other game I'm playing. Okay, so definitely, I I think the main thing that's come out of this with talking about Browner there is the point you made taking defensive backs late. You want so so it's your linebackers yeah. and your D linemen that are the more sort of guys you chase in a draft, and you dip defensive definitely, backs yeah. I mean, take what falls kind of thing. Basically, you could you could um, stream your defensive backs if you were so inclined. I would be. Uh, wouldn't be against that it's, it's a real shame because like I said the one floor in IDP is the linebackers are valued well defensive ends are valued well but defensive backs they don't carry any value you you, you get some guys near the top of the defensive back list but they're just they're really terrible cornerbacks and safeties but that you've just got to play it smart and take them late make sure you get consistent guys like Woodson and Buffet and just don't overpay for them because there will be one guy who reaches out and gets Richard Sherman say in the 11th round or something when you, you're you thinking well yeah he's, he probably is the best cornerback but the next best guy ain't much worse and I can get him in four rounds time it's, it's just about being smart on drafting and making a you prioritise you prioritise every other position really before there's, there's been times where I've had drafts and I've picked uh, back up defensive ends back up linebackers twice over before I've gone to my starting safeties and cornerbacks it's just the way you've got to play it yeah, that's absolutely great advice Matt and something that if people even people that played IDP probably don't realise because I have to say that I don't necessarily in my head logically think I must take a defensive back late I probably think I probably am the same as everyone you go a little bit on the name recognition so that advice is absolutely fantastic for everyone else so thank you very much for that that, that will help everyone and people listening to the podcast at this point will have an advantage over uh, uh, people going into drafts we obviously may we obviously may re-emphasise the point later on in the uh, podcast series but as for now that that's what we want to hear so we'll end we'll wrap up our player uh, reviews there and we'll end on a thing that we every podcast on and it's just a little quick hit segment and today my question to you guys is and I'll, I'll take in this as well if you're drafting tomorrow who are the first five players that you would take off the draft board if you were picking the first five picks Matt um, not really in any sort of order because I think if you're taking a top five guy they're, they're all going to be pretty awesome but I think Whilst this year it's very receiver first based, if I was picking the top five, I'll be looking at Sean McCoy, Miles, Matt Forte, I'd be a bit of a surprise, uh, also Jimmy Graham and Megatron for me too. So I, I just think Graham is he's so much better than the next and you've got to take him there early. Okay, Neil? Um, yeah, similar, similar sort of thing to Matt really. Um, I think running back, obviously, if you get one good one. You know, it can be a difference between you, you making playoffs or, or finishing bottom, really. So I think your first five picks are going to be, be running back centric. And I would say, obviously, McCoy um, and Charles. You, and then I would say Jimmy Graham, because it's, it's such a difference maker. No matter who you're playing, you've won that position every week. 
uh, unless obviously Gronkowski gets back. Um, and then I'd say obviously Megatron. Uh, and my fifth, quite a surprise really, but I'm really high on him, is Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think he's a three down back, uh, do it all kind of guy, and I think he's going to get a really, really big workload in Pittsburgh. Okay, so my five, just in, in no particular order again, I'm actually leaving Jimmy Graham out of this list because I think I'd take him <laughs> later on in the round. Mine would be um, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy, Calvin Johnson, Eddie Lacey and Matt Flay. I just think Eddie Lacey, but with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, if them two are together all year, Lacey's going to be an absolute monster. So, But these quick hits, we're not going to analyse them too long. It's way too early in the year. Nobody's drafting tomorrow because we haven't even the, uh, the the NFL draft yet. So that, we just wanted to end on a little note, get you all thinking about what we've been saying. Uh, if, obviously, if you've got reactions to that on uh, on Twitter, please get in contact with one of us or do it through the fake pigskin Twitter account. Um, I'm sure Regan and the guys who run that will pass it on to us. So we're going to wrap up there. We'll, we'll say our goodbyes in a minute, but I just want to say this podcast has been it's been on for nearly 90 minutes. And our aim is to try and make the podcast as close to six minutes as possible, but there was so much information we want to get in today, so much good knowledge from Matt on the defensive side of things that it's worth stretching out. Not many podcasts cover the defensive side of things as well, so we will do what other podcasts do in terms of the offensive side, but we'll also talk quite heavily about the defensive side as well. And if that drags the podcast out for an extra half an hour, great. The people that are interested can listen, but... That's what we want to do. We want to be as in-depth as possible. And some people like a longer podcast. I know some people will say, oh, I only commute for 45 minutes. But if we if, if we can get as much knowledge in, that's only going to help you to the off-season. So I don't know about you guys, but I think we're pretty much wrapped up there. As I said yeah. earlier, I've been Ben Rolf, and you can find me at BeerRolf1507 on Twitter. Um, as I said, I mainly baseball stuff at the moment, which can all be found through at FakePigSkin. I also write for the Premier League side of at Fake Pigskin, which can be found at, at Fake Premier League, and you'll also find Neil there. Matt, just once again, where we can be? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm FF Matt Lane, that's L A N E. Uh, I'm the IDP guy on the site. Uh, I'm just firing out some post season reviews and ranks uh, last few uh, days. I'm also, I've got a piece on um, defensive ends that are coming up, the young guys, so you're uh, talking about. Um, uh, Cameron Jordan I get him mixed up with John Cameron all the time um, and Hamid Wilkes they're, they're really turning into something great so hopefully you can check out series on Fake Pig Skin as well Neil? Yeah I'm uh, Neil Donohoe you can find me on Twitter at Neil Donohoe D-O-N-O-H-O-E and uh, I write for Pigs, Fake, uh, sorry, Fake Pig Skin uh, I write some EPL stuff and I'm going to be coming at you with some um, Dynasty rookie draft stuff, uh, maybe some top tens or maybe even a two round draft. Looking at upcoming prospects, offensive mainly that are going to be drafted uh, in May. Thank you very much, guys. It's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, as for the podcast, the regularity of it, we're probably going to look during the off season to do maybe once a few weeks, maybe once a month. We'll, we'll see as and when we feel like we need it. But during the season, we would love to be able to try and start doing it weekly. So watch out for that come the season. And just keep an eye out in the off-season. We'll be posting podcasts up sporadically. Be sure to check out our article. Other fantastic writers at Fake Pigskin who do an absolutely brilliant job covering all manners of fancy football, baseball, and even basketball and Premier League as well. So I think from all of us, it's a big thank you for sticking with us and listening. Uh, and I hope you've hit. We'll try to get a couple more voices on here in the future. 
two absolutely brilliant guys in Grant and Luke. But for now, it's thank you and goodbye.